the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, formerly Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Okay, so you come with me to Philippians chapter 4 and the verse number 10. Philippians 4, 10, the Bible says... I rejoice greatly. Let's read it together one go. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renew your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And contextually, if you read this text, it had to do with giving. He was talking about giving. From verse 10 all the way to verse 19, Apostle Paul was talking about giving. And he described giving as an opportunity. Somebody say an opportunity. Likewise, in Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 6 to 10, the Bible talks about the same there. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6 to 10, verse 10 in particular. Therefore, he says, as we have opportunity. Let's read it. As we have what? Opportunity. Let us do good to all men, especially those who are in the household of faith. Again, if you go back into the context, you are still talking about giving from verse 6. He says, let him that is taught in the word share all good things with his teachers. And then he goes on to verse 7 to say that do not be deceived. God is not mocked whatsoever a man sows that he shall also reap. Verse 8, he says, he who sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption and he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And then verse 9 said that let us not grow weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So in this teaching series I've been treating or teaching the subject understanding giving as an opportunity. Somebody say understanding giving as an opportunity. Okay, but our text that we have been looking at broadly which is 2nd Corinthians chapter 8 verse 1 to 8. 2nd Corinthians chapter 8 verse 1 to 8. Can we read that from the New International Version? Now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. Go to verse 2. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty well up in generosity, rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege. Somebody say the privilege. Okay. The privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. How? They gave themselves first of all to the Lord 
and then by the will of God also to us. Verse 6, so we add Titus just as he had earlier made a beginning to bring also a completion this act of grace on your part. But since, let's read it together one go, but since you excel in everything, in faith, knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love, see what kind of grace are they to excel in? The grace of giving. Somebody say, I excel in the grace of giving. Alright, let's look at verse 8 to 9. He says, verse 8, I am not I am not, I am not, I think it's very important that when we we understand that when it comes to giving under the New Testament, God does not lay any command or law on anybody. He says, I'm not commanding you, but he said something that is very important there. That's going to be our focus of our teaching this morning. But I want to test, somebody say, I want to test. Oh, say, I want to test. He said, I want to test what? The sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Somebody say, I want to test. Now, if you are an Old Testament boy, you hear that. He said, come and test me in this, in Malachi. And that is what a lot of people used to sometimes uh, threaten people about giving and all of those things. But here, it's still a test. Somebody say, it's still a test. Okay, so Giving in the Old Testament was a test in a certain sense. But giving under the New Testament is a test. But this test is a superior test. The Old Testament, it was a test of their obedience to the law. But in the New Testament, he says, it's a test of the sincerity of our love. I thought somebody would say an amen. amen. The reason why giving in the Old Testament is born out of love and uh, grace and is supposed to be done a, with a different spirit and attitude is because when we talk about giving in the New Testament, every time you hear giving, we are looking for sincerity of love. Somebody say sincerity of love. You see, there are many things we do that makes us like God, but there is nothing that makes us more like God than giving. There is nothing we do that makes us more like God than giving. Last week, I told you that God is holy, God is just, God is faithful, God is, among other things, a giver. Somebody say, God is a giver. And we established that in the Godhead. God the Father is a giver. God the Son is a giver. God the Holy Spirit is a giver. And we've been born in the image of God. So if we genuinely carry the image of God and the nature of God in us, it's automatic that we become givers. So you see, in the New Testament, it's more unnatural not to be a giver. It's more unchristian. It's more unchristlike not to be a giver. To be selfish is against the spirit of the New Testament. To be stingy is against the spirit of the New Testament. But to be generous is a true reflection of the spirit of the New Testament. Somebody say an amen. amen. Last week I told you that the word believe, which we know as faith, appears 270 times, 72 times in the Bible. Pray appears 371 times in the Bible. Love appears 714 times in the Bible. But giving appears 2,152 times in the Bible. That 
underscores that God's nature fundamentally is giving. And we looked at the fact that God gives to us. And you see, the way God gives to us must be a reflection of how we give. Somebody say, the way God gives to me is how I ought to give. You see, I, I like it when the Bible says in the book of uh, uh, Ephesians, Ephesians, and uh, I, I'm just thinking and hoping that we will be able to study the whole book of Ephesians and look at a few things in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. In the book of Ephesians, scripture tells us about what God has done in Christ for us, essentially. From chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, it talks essentially about what God has accomplished in Christ for us. But when you read from verse chapter 4 to chapter 6, he calls us to a certain sense of responsibility. He calls us to what we ought to do in the light of what God has done. So, God loved us, God saved us, God gave his grace to save us. But from chapter 4 to chapter 6, he calls us to respond to that which God has done. And one of the responses we are supposed to have, look here. He says, be ye therefore imitators of God as what? Or read that with me. Be ye therefore imitators of God as what? God calls you a dear child. A child carries the DNA of his father. And he says, you have my nature in you, so imitate me. Do as I do. I think it's an advert. Do as I do, do as I do, do as I do. Something like that. Okay. Turn to your neighbor and say, do as God does. All right. Now, how? He said, therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Verse 2. Let's read it together. One. And walk in as Christ also has loved us. This was something the early church understood. They understood this so well that when it mattered, I mean, this is a generation of grace and yet grace abuse because this is a generation God has shown us so much love and yet there is not a stingy generation like our generation. God has given us so much and this is a generation where there can be a social media war on the principle of titan. Yeah? There are people, they write a pieces on titan. But New Testament is not about tithe. New Testament is about sacrificial giving. Somebody says sacrificial giving. When they needed to advance the cause of Christ after Jesus was dead and gone, people were not giving 10%. They sold their land. You know what it means to sell a land? They sold their land and houses and gave it out. I sometimes wonder, if you are debating 10%, can you ever sell a land? Can you? Can you? They sold their lands. And the Bible said they gave it out. They sold their lands. Because they understood this. And walk in love as Christ has loved us and given himself for us an offering. If the man gave his life, is it your land you can give? If he gave his life, what is more important that you can hold? That's why I want you to follow the teaching I'm doing because this is the spirit I want you to give with in our church here. It's so important that you understand that Giving is not a legality in the New Testament. Giving under the New Testament is purely an expression of love. That's what we want to look at today. Last week we said that giving gives us an opportunity to manifest the nature of God in us. Somebody say, when I give, I manifest the nature of God in me. Say, when I give, I manifest the nature of God in me. 
The Bible says, even a man being in Christ, he's a new creature. So the new creature is a general soul. How does God give? We said God gives universally. God gives unconditionally. God gives limitlessly. And God gives sacrificially. And then we said God gives tirelessly. Today, we are looking at giving as an opportunity to prove the sincerity of our love for God and man. Sincere love is given. Any man who tells you, I love you, I love you, I love you, but never buys a chocolate for you on Vars Day, he's deceiving you. He's deceiving you. If you are clapping, clap. I expected the ladies to clap. Yeah. There are some days a man must give to his spouse or anybody he declares as loving. You can't be broke on that day. <laughs> no matter how broke you are, you must not be broke on that day. I won't name some of those days. Because for someone, that day may be today. <laughs> the opportunity to prove sincere love for God and man. We saw that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. He said, verse, verse 8, he said, I speak not by commandment. So what I'm going to tell you is not about command. But I'm challenging you to prove the sincerity of your love. Somebody say sincerity of love. Now, if there can be sincere love, I think you can agree with me that there will be sincere love too. So, obviously, we see that 1 John 3 verse 18. 1 John 3 verse 18 says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So, we can love in word and we can love in deed and in truth. Sincere love is without hypocrisy. Romans chapter 12 verse 9. He said, let love be without hypocrisy. When love is genuine, there is no hypocrisy in it. And when love is genuine, it also is expressed in deeds. Somebody say, it's expressed in deeds. Now look at 1 John 3, 16 to 18. 1 John 3, 16 to 18. If you want to really understand love, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, read those books. He said, by this we know, let's read together, by this we know because he laid down, look at this, by this we know, oh please, by this we, by this we know, do you know who love is? Love is God himself. So by this we know God. So you can just replace that. By this we know God because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the, for the, for the, go, for the brethren. By this we know love. Go to verse 17. But whosoever have this world's goods, this is it. This is where you are going to really tell whether love is genuine or not. Whosoever have this world's good and sees his brother in need and shuts out his heart from him. How does the love of God abide in him? Verse 18, he says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and truth. So here too, he's talking about sincere love. And he said, sincere love is expressed when we open up our bars of compassion and we address the needs of people around us. Somebody say an amen. amen. You need to understand that we are not called to love God. We are called to respond to the love of God. It's a difference. 
We are not called to love God. We are called to respond to the love of God. We are called to respond to the love of God. Look at 1 John 4, 19. He said, we love him because he did what? Oh, say it. Because he did what? Because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. So, what we are doing, we are doing it in response. We are doing it to reciprocate what he's done for us. Now, if God first loved us, I think it's legitimate that we answer the question, how did he demonstrate his first love for us? How many of you think we should answer that question? How did God demonstrate his love for us? We want to see that in a couple of scriptures. One, Romans 5 verse 8. Romans 5 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. In that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Are you seeing the sacrifice? I want you to see the spirit of sacrifice all through these scriptures I'm sharing with you. He said, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The message version renders it this way. He said, but God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. Are you with me? At what time did Christ die for us? When you and I were of no use to him. Please note it because it's going to be relevant as I move along. And help anyone who is trying to doze off to be awake. Yeah, so that they don't go and join useless debate on Facebook about Titan. Amen? Yeah, it's critical. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he, that he, this is how he first loved us. Understand that. For God so loved the world that he gave. His only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him. Again, 1 John 3, 16. 1 John 3, 16. We know what real love is. 1 John 3, 16, New Living Translation. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. 1 John 4, 9 to 10. 1 John 4, 9 to 10. And God showed his love for us when he sent his only son into the world to give us life. Real love isn't about our love for God, but his love for us. God sent his son to be the sacrifice by which our sins are forgiven. Somebody say sacrifice. Say sacrifice. Now, Apostle Paul really was not there when the sacrifice took place. When you look at a man like Peter, when they were ready to kill Peter. Peter said he did not deserve to die like according to Bible history. He did not deserve to die like his master. So rather than have him crucified upward like this, it is said that Peter was crucified with his head down. That was the ultimate sacrifice he paid for his master. And the reason why he could do that was because he saw Jesus do it. Are you with me? He saw Jesus do it. But it's amazing that even Apostle Paul who was not there at the time of the sacrifice, so understood that our work with God is supposed to be so sacrificial, it's, so, it's supposed to be manifested in sacrificial giving by a statement he made here. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by the faith. In the son of God, who did what? 
who did what? Loved me and gave himself for me. He didn't give 10%. He didn't give 80%. He gave himself. Please take note. That is what he did. Now, Ephesians, which I've already read, Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2, he says, Be therefore imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also loves us, and has given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice for a sweet-smelling aroma. Now, come to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Ephesians 5, 25. He says, Husbands, love your wife, just as Christ loves the church, and gave himself for her. I hope somebody understands these scriptures so far. I don't think that even if you are the chief debater and you have won the national debate in Ghana, you can doubt from these scriptures that God first loved us in a very deep sacrificial way. How many of you agree with that? Every one of these, you can go through the New Testament and see that God loved us sacrificially. Now, then he says, if God so loved us, we ought to respond. We love God because he first loved us. Now, if he, who didn't have to do it, if he, who didn't need us as it were, made the ultimate sacrifice to redeem us, if we claim we love him, if we claim we love him, and we mean we genuinely love him, must it be difficult for us now to reciprocate it by sacrificing for him? So why the debate? Why the debate? Sacrificial giving, take note of this, is the most authentic proof of sincere love for God and man. Sacrificial giving is the most. There is nothing else. No matter what anybody says. If a person is not ready to lay it all down for another, sacrificial giving is not at work. Sacrificial giving is the most authentic proof. And we see that in the church. Now, these, there are two texts Chapters in the Bible where giving is extensively discussed. All through scripture. These are the only two places, the longest places where the subject of giving is discussed extensively. One is 2 Corinthians chapter 8. The other is 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And then a little bit of it also in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Look at this. We are seeing it. So God's giving was sacrificial. We look at the Macedonian church. He said, we want you to know. Let's say, we want you to know. Uh We want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian church in the midst of a very severe trial. Look at this. Their overflowing joy and extreme poverty well up in rich generosity. They were poor. They were in trial. They were in difficulty. But still, nobody could restrain them from giving. That's sacrifice. They actually sought for the opportunity to give. In fact, if you are left poor alone, Paul would not have even taken an offering from them. But they say, hey, listen, it's a privilege we have to demonstrate that we love these brethren. It's a privilege that we have that must not be taken for granted. So give us the opportunity to participate in this also. So the Bible said they gave according to in their poverty and beyond their poverty. They gave. We see David. That is why, you see, when genuine lovers are giving, they don't talk about percentage. Somebody said they don't talk about percentage. <laughs> David was going to give someday, and somebody told him, and you remember, David is a man after God's own heart. And I've told you that if there is an Old Testament man who lived like a New Testament person, 
is like David. David had a relationship with God that best describes in many respects the relationship we have with him in the New Testament. David was going to give an offering and somebody said, oh, don't worry. You keep that. I will, I will sort you out. He said, me? Keep what? If I'm going to give anything to God, it has to come from him direct. And I'm not going to give anything to God that costs me nothing. Somebody say, cost me nothing. I'm not sure 10% should cost somebody so much. Ask your neighbor, does it cost you so much? <laughs> if you are keeping 90 and bringing 10%. You see, that is why, that, that 10% teaching has really, really not allowed us to learn to give like New Testament believers. I stopped giving 10% several years ago. Every month I give to God, but I give over and above 10% because I don't think that 10% reflects what God means to me. No. King Solomon, the Bible says of Solomon, 1 Kings 3, verse 3 to 4. I just want you to see what love does because giving is proving the sincerity of our love for God. If our love for God is genuine, we would give and give more. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the status of the father David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Look at this. Look at verse 4. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was a great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. Now listen. Under the law, this was not a legal giving, because by legal giving, Solomon was expected to do just one bull. One bull was okay any time an Israeli king was about to be coronated. Under the law, they were expected to give one bull. So if he gave one bull, that was too much. If he gave ten, that was too much. Even a hundred was too much. But when love drives our giving, he goes all the way and he gives a thousand burnt offerings. Now the Bible says... That was unusual. That was not normal. So God visited him and said, Joe, what did you do? <laughs> because I, I smell somebody has done something that is not natural. Because giving under the New Testament is supposed to be motivated by the Spirit of God. Somebody say an amen. amen. Say a better amen. amen. Alright. So, in the New, we have seen how giving is expressed. Love is expressed through giving. In the old, those who had the revelation, those who understood that God meant so much for them, gave beyond the tent. How are we then expected to respond to God's love by giving sincerely? I'm going to look at how sincere love for God and man motivates us to give. How does sincere love for God motivate us to give? How? How does sincere love for God motivate us to give? One, sincere love makes us responsive to the love of God. Can you do that? Yes. The first one, I'm using five hours or I think six or so. Six hours just to help you remember. We give a response. Somebody say response. Say response. Sincere love motivates us to give a response. Somebody say a response. Yeah. We give in response to God's giving to us. That's the first thing. We give in response to God's giving to us. We give in response to God's giving to us. Sincere love motivates us to give in response. So it is not starting from us. You see, 
I realized that giving will be easy from you when you understand that giving originates from God. All human giving originates from God. We take the root of our giving must be from the root of our receiving. When we take note, we take cognizance of what we have received from God. Then we are in a position to respond. Look at 2 Corinthians 8 verse 7 to 9. This is interesting. He says, but since you excel, now look here because it's going to say something interesting here. He says, since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love, we have kindled in you. See that you also excel in this grace. All right? Then he says, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Look at verse 9. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the reference. He said, the reason why I want you to excel in the grace is because that is the same grace Jesus manifested to us. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That you through his poverty might be made rich. Yet for your sake he was rich. But he gave up his wealth. Just to enrich you. He was rich but he gave up. And that was what the Macedonian churches were doing. They were not rich but they were willing to give up whatever they had to enrich others. That is genuine love giving. Somebody say sincere love love. motivates motivates me to respond. To God's giving. You can never give and give generously until you understand that you are a recipient. Somebody say, I'm a recipient. First of all, you are the recipient of the unlimited blessings of God. That's why sometimes when people say we don't give to be blessed, I agree with them because God has so much blessed us already, and out of His blessing, we return to show gratitude. So when we give, we are actually demonstrating our gratitude to God for what he's given unto us and not necessarily just to get something in return. It's just because God will not allow any man to beat him when it comes to giving. That's why in spite of the fact that he's given us so much and whatever we give him does not even match what he's given us, he still goes ahead to multiply the seeds we sow. Somebody say an Amen. First Corinthians 4 verse 7. He said, who makes you to differ from another? Who makes you? Somebody say, who makes me? He said, who makes you to differ from another? What is it that you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did receive, why do you boast as if you did not receive? Whatever you have. Is it intelligent? Is it a position at your office? Is it a salary you earn? Is it some job that is doing well? He said, you receive it. And if you so receive it, you don't have a right when he makes a demand to it. John said, a man can receive nothing except it be given. Somebody say, it be given. Say, it be given. That's why when you hear somebody say, me, I will never give my money to God. Don't waste your time on such a person. Because he, he calls it his money. He doesn't know he, it was given to him. He calls it his money. He doesn't know a man can receive nothing except it be given to him from above. He said, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep watch over the city. You see, at the breath of his nostrils, everything you have can dissolve into Huawei. That's the kind of God that we are dealing with here. So, first of all, we respond to God's giving in our lives. Sincere love 
motivate us to respond to God's giving in our lives. Number two, sincere love motivates us to give with right motives. Somebody say right motives. Say right motives. Your motive needs to be clear. This generation of give and take, give and take Christianity is not going anywhere. Your motive, when people are giving and they are motivated by what to get, that is really not the spirit of sacrificial giving. Your motive must be right. Now look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3 to 4. Oh, yeah, Badika. This is apostle. I was there. I saw it myself. They gave offerings of whatever they could and far more than they could afford. Okay, look at this. These are people who were almost killing themselves to give. But check the motive. Pleading for the privilege of helping out in the relief of poor Christians. Alright? Pleading. That was their motive. All they were seeking to do was to help. That was their motive. Their joy, their happiness was to see that their brothers were taken care of. When it becomes our joy and our great excitement to see that the kingdom of God is advanced through our giving, then we are giving with the right motive. The Bible said God demonstrated his love towards us. When we were of no use to him, that word hit me. When we were of no use, so he didn't have any ill motive. We were of no use to him. Can you give to somebody who is useless to you? Most of the time when we are giving, we look for where we can easily get returns. When somebody comes to you for loan, you look at where you can get returns. <laughs> when he invites you for his birthday party, in fact, your main motivation for sending a gift is because you know when he's bringing a gift, good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Because you, see, you are giving to a big man and a big man must certainly return it with greater value for you. Most of us, sometimes that is our motive. Let me tell you your primary motive for giving. The primary motive for sincere love is not to give to get. Somebody say an amen. amen. The primary motive for sincere love is not to give to get. If giving to get is your direct, your foremost motivation for giving, you are failed in your giving. That's not the primary motive. You give to advance. You give to help. You give to be a blessing. That is the primary motive for sincere love. And that's what they did. Number three, sincere love gives without recognition. Somebody say without recognition. Say recognition. Without recognition. There are people who when they give anything, they must be celebrated. They want their name to be embossed on a place. And I know that when you go to some churches, there are things that they are there donated by so and so. Donated by so and so. It's not bad if that is what they have chosen to do. But sincere love does not give so that their name will be embossed somewhere as donated by so and so. It gives without recognition. Sincere love does not give and bring pictures on Facebook to show how they were a blessing to children's own people. That's not sincere love. That's a show. That's trying to take advantage of people's children. If your child was among those who were put on Facebook that were, how will you feel? You see, there is this thing that is going on because of the lambasting and the pressure people are putting on the church and trying to lambast pastors. Pastors are also reacting in a certain way. We also want to give and put it on social media so people see what we are doing. No, 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 no. We don't owe the world that. Turn to your neighbor and say, we don't owe the world that. 
When we are doing charitable giving, we have no business making noise about it. Now listen, when you read this text, and the Bible says, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 1, he said, and now brothers and sisters, I want you to know about the grace of God that was given to the Macedonian churches. Say churches. Not a single church is named there. Not a single church is named there. Macedonian churches. If you know them, go find out. They didn't tell us what percentage each of them gave. They gave anonymously. And I'm not saying that that is the only way to give. But one sincere love gives and is not looking for something. It's not looking for a thank you in return. It's not looking for some reward in return. It does it anonymously. Look at what Jesus said. Matthew 6 verse 4 to 2. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets. That looks like, don't put it on Facebook for me. <laughs> Are you here? Yeah, don't put it on Instagram. Don't put it on your status. As the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the street to be honored by others. Look at this. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Alright? So, God establishes the fact that when you give, there is a reward. But the reward is released based on how the giving is done. Look at it. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what the right hand is doing. Verse 4. So that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you openly. Now I know that some people have overstretched this. And they say that every giving must be done in secret. That is not accurate under the New Testament. Every giving must not be done in secret. When we are giving in church, it may not necessarily be done in secret. Because in the New Testament, we are told that Ananias, his name is mentioned, he sold his land and brought it. We know. Barnabas and others, they did things. So we know. So it's not all giving that needs to. But when you are giving to another person for the dignity and the preservation of the honor of that person, don't publicize it. That's what the Bible is talking about here. Somebody say an amen. amen. Yeah, that's what the Bible is talking about here. Number four, sincere love gives without reservation. It gives without reservation. Somebody say, we give without reservation. Sincere love motivates us to give without reservation. He says, for I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. Somebody say, far more. Far more. more. They gave far more. They gave far more. There are people, when they drop their 10%, those legalistic 10% titles, once they drop it, whatever else is going on, they are not part. They say we are buying chair, they no see. They say we are we are doing this, they no see. As for me, I just drop my ten percent, whether it go fit or no fit. Now you sabi? No, 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 no. That's not sincere love. The Bible said, "I testify that they gave not what they could afford, but far more." And they did it of their own free will. Somebody say, of their own free will. I'm coming here. Of their own free will, they gave. They gave of their own free will. They gave far and above. When you look at the widow Jesus singled out, she gave unreservedly. Did you see that? She gave without reservation. So Jesus singled her out. Mark chapter 12, verse 14 to 41, 41 to 44. He singled her out and said, this woman has put in more. Because for everybody, your reserves are still intact. But this one, she has emptied her reserves and given it all. Again, we see the woman with the alabaster box. After saving for one year, we take first fruit here. Yeah, this church, we believe in first fruit. And even that one, some people have challenged. 
But this woman saved one full year's salary. I'm not sure any pastor can easily announce that in the church. That this year, want your full salary. Let's bring it. This woman saved the full. Now, you see, this is not under the law. This is New Testament. And this was one Jesus commended. One full year salary. And bought precious ointment. Very sharp. The scent can stay with you for almost two years. Very powerful. This woman bought it and carried it. And when she brought it, you know where she poured it? On Jesus' feet. On Jesus' what? Feet. 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 If you understand what the feet meant and represented in those days, you will know that that was a complete waste. That's why Judas, Judas understood that very well. He said, this woman, are you crazy or something? So, after buying such an expensive gift, even if you want to pour it, you won't pour it in his clothes. So that when he goes, when we, I sell him and then he dies, I can keep the clothes, mix it with my clothes and let the scent smell small. You are a wicked woman. What kind of foolish thing have you done? Jesus said, listen, she's done this unreservedly. We look at the book of First Chronicles. David, when it was time to build the temple, the Bible said, I have of my own proper court. Look at that. Because Moreover, because I've set my affection, affection is love. On the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above. Somebody say over and above. Say over and above. Over and above. <laughs> Some people are too legalistic with uh, tight to the extent that if the tight is uh, 13 cities, they will go and look for change. Instead of bringing 15 cities, they will go and look for change. <laughs> I'm telling you. Some people can, they can actually calculate 12.5. 12 cities, 50 pesos. <laughs> if you are giving tight of 56 cities, what prevents you from giving it as uh, 60 cities? Yeah. But you see, you have become so legalistic. You have become so legalistic. No, 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 no. Like I, I don't do 10%. Oh. I left that realm a long time ago. But even what I do now, any time is a certain figure, just round it up. Because I'm not, I'm not under, I'm just showing love. How you understand what I'm talking about? I'm just expressing my love to the one who gave all. Because I've not reached the place where my faith will be able to give all. But he gave all. He gave all. So if you are giving some, and you are, <laughs> yeah, yeah, may the Lord help us. I said, may the Lord help us. Number five is sincere love motivates us to give without reluctance. Somebody say reluctance. 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 Willing, willing, willing. Reluctance. Reluctance. No reluctance. No, it's not reluctant giving. When they are giving, they are excited. They are, you see, when God sees us give that way, he's excited. That's why he said he loves a cheerful giver. Look at that. Second Corinthians chapter 8. Chapter 8 verse 3 to 4. 5. I testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. Somebody say of their own free will. Their own free will. They gave by themselves. They were not forced. They were not coerced. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gifts for the believers in uh, Jerusalem. They even did more than we hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us. Somebody say to the Lord and to us. I will close on that note. Because that was their first action. When it comes to sacrificial giving, that is the foundation. And then number six, they gave without restriction. Somebody say without restriction. Without restriction. 
They were not fighting and debating. Should we do 10%, 20%? Oh, no. They were not. <laughs> there was no limit to it. They gave. Far more. Without restriction. Without limitation. That's what they gave. Genuine lovers of God don't waste their time debating on tight. They want to do something far more than tight. Are you with me here? That's what they are looking for. They are looking for the opportunity to do something far more. Not to go below it. Most of the time, when you hear people do debate about tight is an Old Testament, tight is an Old Testament, usually they were making that debate so that they will give more. I think it would have been fine. But most of the time, when they are making that debate, they are looking for an opportunity to do less. That is what shows that they don't love God. They are looking for opportunity to do far less. No, if you, our righteousness is to exceed that of the Pharisees, and they did 10%, and you are competing for 10%. Where do you stand, really? Somebody say an amen. amen. Pastor, do you believe in 10%? I believe it for a new baby in Christ. Somebody say a new baby. Amen. Yeah. When the baby is trying to walk, you don't just get them on their feet. You help them. Maybe you can start from 10% to just to help you to stand. But when you stand and you grow and you understand that God means more than 10% for you, then you start giving to him. Most people don't know that even after the tithe in the Old Testament, what the Israelites, the kind of offerings they were giving, took it way above 10%. By the time you put their sin offering, their peace offering, all of that together, they were giving a minimum of about 30% of their income to God. That's what they were doing. Under the old, and you are here, you were not saved by blood or boots of goats. Your sins are not covered for one year. Your sins have been forgiven past, present, and future. You have been perpetually sanctified. You have been accepted in the beloved. And when you come to demonstrate your love to God, you are debating over a percentage. May the Lord give us repentance. Amen. I said, may the Lord give us repentance. Amen. As we close, they gave. Sincere love motivates us to give without returns in mind. Somebody say without returns. Yeah, without returns. Without returns. Jesus talked about this. Look at what Jesus said. Luke chapter 14, verse 12 to 40. 14. Luke 14, 12 to 14. Then he turned to his host. When you put on a luncheon, turn to his host and say, When you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, Don't invite your friends. Look here, look here. This is giving. Don't invite your friends. Don't invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or rich neighbors. Lest they invite you back. Somebody say, invite me back. I shall be back. Do you know there are people in church who will not attend a brother's wedding because the brother did not attend their wedding? That's not Christianity. That's a better trade you are doing. That's not Christianity at all. That's not Christianity. That's what Jesus is saying here. He said, don't invite people. For they will invite you back. And that will only be your reward. That will be your only reward. That will be your only reward. But look at this. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Verse 13. 13. Invite the poor. Somebody say the poor. Uh-huh. The crippled, the lame, the blind. Verse 14. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Are you with me here? No. <laughs> <laughs> this carnal selfish generation is looking for payment here and now if I must receive I must receive it now or never 
we become so carnally minded, earthly minded, sensual in our approach and commitment to God, shallow in our devotion to God, to the point that now if we are not getting anything in return in the flesh, our commitment is only made available once we are getting something in material returns for it. That's not Christianity. That is not what? Christianity. That's not Christianity. That's not Christianity. Pastor, are you saying that God does not uh, give us returns? Listen, uh, there's a quote. Uh, 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 say, generosity does not give to receive, but generosity will always be rewarded by God. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is not the motivation. Because when God sees his nature at work, he must manifest now. When he sees his nature at work, when he sees his nature at work, I pray that from today. You see, sometimes we give and we don't receive what we ought to receive. Because our whole motivation is to manipulate God. You can't manipulate God. You cannot. You cannot. You cannot. I hope somebody has been helped today. I'll finish my message for today. Pastor Afroakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our celebration services at our headquarters church, 6.45 a.m. to 8 a.m. for our first service, 8.30 a.m. to 9.45 a.m. for our second service, and 10.15 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. for our third service, and on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 7.45 p.m. Locate us on the top floor of Nanama Ejakumar Plaza, opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santati Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on our YouTube and Facebook pages, Embassy of Life Chapel. God richly bless you. Never, never be the same. Never, never be the same.